Hello and welcome to This Is Anime. I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And joining us is Carson Hazlitt. Carson, Hello. how are you? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, Carson, you're 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 a graduate from On the Mic Training, which I run the um, social media for. So it's great that I can promote that uh, <laughs> while also having you on. So everyone, go to On the Mic Training. Carson is a wonderful uh, voice actor. I have not listened to your demo reel, but if you came from On the Mic Training, I'm sure you're <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you uh i mean if you want to put your demo reel in the show notes i'd fucking do it there's no uh, sure our, why not our, uh, no, you can you can you can say yes or no after this um our uh, <laughs> editor is also a graduate our, as by the time this releases our editor will be a graduate from on the mic training as well so there's a lot oh, of awesome yeah, yeah sasha husband so a lot of on the mic connections um <laughs> yeah this shout out to called, on the mic it should be the on i the haven't mic, gone to i'm not a voice actor this should be the on the mic podcast uh, I've never promoted That's it. It's a on good there. idea. You should pitch it. Uh, I've never promoted this podcast on the social media feeds. I know my boss was like, "Do you use swear words?" I'm like, "Yeah, we do. We swear a lot." <laughs> so he's like, oh, "I don't want you guys promoting that." I'm like, "Oh, fair enough. Uh, all good. No judgment." Um, but anyways, um, Carson, uh, yeah, you are you are a voice actor. Uh, do you want anything else people should know about you? Um, there's not a lot to know. I'm a voice actor. I'm a musician. Um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Mm. Those are good things, man. What uh, <laughs> what instruments do you play? Uh, I play the tenor sax, and I play some drums occasionally. And Carson, what is your anime experience like? What is what is what is your level of experience in the world of anime? Uh, I used to watch anime almost every day when I was in my teen years. Uh, recently, I've kind of stopped watching as much as I used to, but I grew up on like the '90s shows, stuff like uh, Cowboy Bebop, Dragon Ball Z, and Trigun was what I really got into. Uh, and I haven't watched really anything new besides, uh, I finished Demon Slayer recently and I just started Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, what do you feel about Jujutsu, the, the Jujutsu Kaisen versus Demon Slayer debate? Cause I do feel I prefer Jujutsu Kaisen. I, I do too. Better. Okay. Uh, I think I just like the characters more in Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen. I can never pronounce that name correctly on the first try. Um, I just like the characters more uh i think with demon slayer i think the animation is amazing in demon slayer but i find the characters to be very shonen tropey which i'm finding i'm not enjoying at all anymore i mean i we we covered demon slayer on the podcast before and even the, even though i'm supposed to be the anime expert like i struggle to talk about that movie despite seeing it twice at that point mm-hmm. <laughs> um and thankfully we had a lovely guest who was able to fill in the blanks and correct all my um inaccuracies but i think that's the fault of the movie personally i think it, i think that's the fault of the movie. as a viewer i should be able to understand this shit especially if i watch the entire season like Absolutely. malcolm malcolm gets away with it because he's the new he's the control subject but if i can't get this shit then that's on the movie that's a fair that's fair like i i get to just yeah be the dumb one this whole time like i get to be like what's going on like you know <laughs> You know, and, and but Jack, I'm like expecting answers. So I'm like, you better explain this to me. I know. Um, but anyways, we are talking about the first Final Fantasy movie because there's multiple ones. Uh, but we're talking about Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. And Carson, here's another question. What is your experience with Final Fantasy? Uh, Final Fantasy is my favorite video game series ever. I first played Final Fantasy VII when I was 12 years old, something like that. And I immediately fell in love with it. And I've played uh, nearly every game since. Carson, I, you know what? It's funny because, again, I, I, 
you know, we're not supposed to text each other, talk about the movie. I was very tempted to text you about the connections to Final Fantasy VII to this movie. And thank you for saying that's your favorite one, because <laughs> holy shit, um, yeah. we're going to get into it in the history segment. But oh my God, the connections to this and that movie are mm-hmm. uh, immense. It, it really is something interesting. And yeah, let's get into the history of Final Fantasy. And I guess, Malcolm, the answer is you have no experience with the franchise. I have no experience. I'm going to be honest. I have a whole, like, I I had, uh, yeah. So, like, for me, it's like I've heard of Final Fantasy. Like, it's obviously, like, culturally relevant uh, enough uh, that it's like, you know, I heard of it just the way I, like, heard of, like, Dragon Ball Z and, like, mm. you know, and stuff like that. Uh, I just had no experience. I never played any of the video games. And, like, I thought Final Fantasy was... Some sort of like rain-soaked techno thriller, like Matrix-like game and world that was set on like the streets of like, uh, yeah, like a rain-soaked Neo Tokyo. And I was not expecting what I, at least this movie like posits, is some sort of like Halo-esque. So, so what you said is a fair thing to say. Um, we'll we'll get more into it, but I think the most important part before we even get into the history segment is that uh, every single Final Fantasy, whether it's Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, subsequent, um, and, you know, there's, I think Final Fantasy 16 is maybe coming out next year, but also there are spinoffs and sequels to numbered entries, but the Final Fantasies are not connected. Final Fantasy 1 has no connection to Final Fantasy 7. Final Fantasy 14 um, is the MMO. It has references and Easter eggs, but it is not the same world. They are all their own universe. So Final Fantasy 13 is its own universe, as 13, 7 is its own thing. You know what I mean. So there is no one Final Fantasy. There is no what? Oh, there, my God. <laughs> there, is no, there is no one Final Fantasy universe. They're, they're all their own individual thing is what I'm saying. That's so confusing. Uh, I don't know if it's confusing. It's just like, it's, I mean, it's like, um, what's the a audacity? Video, <laughs> the what's audacity. A video, what's a video game example? Like Fallout 3, oh, well, I guess it's set in the same world as Fallout New Vegas. But, you know, I mean, it's its own entry with its own connection. So... I yeah. guess like Grand Theft Auto is kind yeah. of just, Grand yeah. Grand Theft Auto has like some mild Easter eggs, but it's not like Nico Bellic is showing up in five or some shit. I mean, I'm waiting for that game where they all like all those characters just kind of merge. Maybe um, maybe maybe GTA six. But yeah, they're they're their own separate thing. But the advantage of a video game, why do you call a video game Final Fantasy One? Why do you call it Final Fantasy Two? It's because they share similar gameplay tropes or similar um recurring monsters. That's that's the connection they have. Is that a... Uh, that correct? makes sense. Yeah, that's a yeah. fair... Uh, that sounds... Yeah. Um, I'm not going to explain that any further because we've got a lot to cover. So Final Fantasy was developed by the company formerly known as Squaresoft, now Square Enix, and spearheaded by Hironobu Sakaguchi. And Sakaguchi is going to be our main character for this history segment. This is the saga of Sakaguchi, basically. So he was inspired by the role-playing games Dragon Quest and Ultima, and wanted to create his own role-playing game. The title Final Fantasy comes from the fact that this was Sakaguchi's last attempt in the games industry. Had it not sold well, he would have quit. It was also because the initials FF sounded good in Japanese, with Fighting Fantasy also being a title that was considered. Final Fantasy featured a number of elements that made it stand out against its main competitor Dragon Quest, a franchise Square would later own as well during their merger with Enix. And unlike Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy let you choose your party's own character classes, a feature that was inspired by the classic role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons. Final Fantasy was also the first Japanese role-playing game to have enemies being weak to different elements, a feature that's now considered basic to pretty much any role-playing game. And it also had mini-games. Final Fantasy had a mini-game in the form of a sliding puzzle, 
which while not the most interesting minigame by modern standards, it did set the stage for something Final Fantasy, se- Final Fantasy fans now expect, like Final Fantasy VII's famous snowboarding minigame. Uh, this will not be the first time, this will not be the only time I reference Final Fantasy VII, guys. <laughs> this will not be the first time, but Final Fantasy VII had a lot of silly minigames that made it pretty popular, like a snowboarding game, uh, which contrasted with the game's very sad tone. Uh, Final Fantasy released at the end of 1987 in Japan and was not, in fact, the end of Sakaguchi's game development career. Sakaguchi would act as the director for the four subsequent Final Fantasy games from 1988 to 1982, from 1988 to 1992, and ascended to executive vice president of Square in 1991. He also spearheaded the creation of my personal favorite role-playing game ever, Chrono Trigger. Um, Carson, have you played Chrono Trigger? Chrono Trigger is the greatest RPG ever made. Thank you for saying that, because it is. It is. <laughs> I, I didn't really tell you about my Final, my Final Fantasy experience, but um, Pokemon, we've, we've talked on this podcast. I love Pokemon. That was baby's first RPG, um, as it is for many people. But my first non-Pokemon role-playing game was the the Final Fantasy IV slash Chrono Trigger um, double pack on PlayStation 1. That was my introduction. So Final Fantasy IV is my first Final Fantasy and uh, Chrono Trigger is my first Chrono Trigger, but it was the first one I played too uh, when I got that double pack because it had that incredible Akira Toriyama art. And uh, I'm talking a lot about Chrono Trigger because this is the only <laughs> chance I have because it does not have an anime. It had some anime cutscenes. It had some anime <clears throat> cutscenes, uh, um, but there's no anime, so I, I'm never going to be able to talk about Chrono Trigger on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but it is the greatest role playing game ever made. It has time travel. 100%. Um, it's got time travel. It's uh, I, I own it on like four different platforms. I own it on PS1, Wii, um, DS, and the PS3 uh, PSN store. Uh, one of my favorite games. The DS version is the best because it has an updated yep. translation. Um, and it also has some endings that tie it into Chrono Cross, uh, which by the time this podcast airs, I will have finally played because Chrono Cross is getting remastered. So I'm excited to get that. Um, but yeah. Fantastic game. So th- this whole period, Malcolm, of like RPG development, now we're used to games like taking like three to four years being made or being delayed further. Um, Sakaguchi pumps out five Final Fantasies like in like five years, basically. And even Final That's Fantasy crazy. Seven. And even Final Fantasy Seven. Um, we're not going to talk about too much of its development, but that game is fucking huge and is made in a very short period of time as well. So let's get to the Final Fantasy Seven talk because. Aside from the first Final Fantasy VII, I think we can agree, Carson, it is the most important game in the franchise. Putting my biases aside, which there's a lot for that game, it is by far the most important. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can argue which is the best one, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think my favorite, I mean, 9 is my nostalgia pick, because even though I mm-hmm. played 4 first, 9 had that really classic feel. It did, I just, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it did have better graphics, because I played it before Final Fantasy VII, um, just because of how it worked out, but yeah. Um, 7 is the most important game in the series so it comes out in 1997 and it was a massive critical and commercial success and most importantly a western success it was the highest selling game of 1997 selling over 6 million copies despite being a turn based role playing game which aside from Pokemon I think Pokemon comes out in 1998 in the west Um, so that yeah this is fucking huge for a genre I, I know turn-based games sell well, but even then, when I talk to friends, I'm not recommending turn-based games to Malcolm because I just know he's not going to do that. <laughs> even Western turn-based games, I'm just like, ah, it's turn-based. I know it's like not even a... I shouldn't even bother like asking my friends if they want to play that. Um, 
but yeah, so this is fucking huge. And I didn't even know it was the best selling game in 1997 until I read that, which is crazy. This, the most important thing for this game's marketing was the incredible cutscenes and gorgeous art direction that combined fantasy with near future science fiction. Uh, is, do you think, do you agree with me, Carson, on that description? Oh, it's kind of absolutely, fun. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're saying, Malcolm, about like you think of neon matrixy. I don't think that's quite it, but again, it's not like you've played these games. But Final Fantasy VII, Malcolm, if you just like Google a couple pictures of it, it does have this kind of near future steampunk thing. Um, I know Final Fantasy VI on the Super Nintendo also had some kind of near future stuff, but yeah, the way Final Fantasy VII handled it, it was it was mind blowing. It's a it's a gorgeous game. It's got gorgeous art direction, um, and the game scope was huge compared to any other game of its era. And uh, like the story is epic. I think it's not even like the longest role playing game. I think it's about forty to fifty hours, but it's an epic by any standard, and especially by nineteen ninety seven. And this is despite its numerous translation errors. <laughs> uh, and it also it also features. I mean, yeah, it's nineteen ninety seven. Man, they had like three people translating that game. <laughs> it's fucking, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. The amount of text they have, and they have to like fit it into like the bits and whatever because like text, tech, like the technical limitations when you read about these games are just insane. It's like, oh yeah, we we could not fit like certain phrases in there because of text limits. You know, we're spoiled now. But Final Fantasy VII also features one of the most famous video game twists of all time. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert for like what, like a 20, 25 year old game at this point. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. the death of the death of party member Aerith. Um, this is not even the first party member death in the history of Final Fantasy, but because of the way the cutscene played out, and just because for many people it was their first Final Fantasy uh, game, that that's an iconic thing. I think when people think of Final Fantasy VII, they think of the death of Aerith. Like it's absolutely like you know it it made people cry, and you oh, watch the it made me cry. <laughs> yeah and you yeah. know Final it's interesting because the now like so many games will like have this ending where it's like your this main character is gonna die no matter what you do like dude, dude that's what makes it a twist it doesn't happen in the end it happens in like the third to half of the game oh what okay yeah you'll think it's saying part it was it you said party member what party member mean? is it it means like you know it's an rpg so you have like characters in your party so it's turn-based so you'll control like three characters in battle at a time and have like eight options oh, or whatever okay so it would be like if if like um i don't know you've played games with multiple characters what if trevor died a third of the way through gta 5 and you're just like fuck there's no more trevor i can't use trevor anymore yeah exactly i guess they let you do that at the end of the spoiler for gta 5 you can kill one of the uh that's spoiler for a 10 year old game at this point everyone (laughs) everyone owns that everyone owns and if they don't own it it's because they don't want to own it exactly you've made a choice at this point (laughs) i just bought gta 5 finally i only own the ps3 version but i bought the ps5 upgrade so even i'm an owner of gta 5 again i've yeah i bought gta 5 i think three times I bought it for Xbox 360, and then I bought it for PS4, and then I bought it for PC. <laughs> yeah, I bought the yeah, it was full price probably for all three, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> I got the 1250 version that just came out, so I'm like, oh, it's 1250, so yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, like that's the thing. Only Rockstar. Best- I'll say this: only Rockstar will get me to pay full price for a game twice. <laughs> <laughs> and- and Final Fantasy VII is still relevant because Carson, we live in the wonderful era of not just the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, but also the Final Fantasy VII Remake Project. Yes. Uh, have you played Final Fantasy VII Remake, Carson? I have, and I loved it. Thank you for loving it. And what did you think of the twist, which is also... I'm going to... Uh, five-minute spoiler for y'all. Just skip ahead, like, five minutes. Um, 
But that twist is also fucking nutso because it turns out that game is not a remake. It is a sequel. It yeah. Um parallel universe but it's i call it a sequel man yeah it's, it's a sequel to final fantasy 7 so the infamous the infamous Aerith twist is now in question for this probably four game series i uh, fuck we still don't have a date or even a trailer for final fantasy 7 part 2 so i'm just like oh god i might be 40 when this finishes yeah that's how i'm feeling right now i know did, did when you when you saw that and you're like maybe we'll get this in two years and you're like oh fuck yeah, I was thinking, oh, you know, like they got like they must have like a roadmap or something. They will probably get one like two to three years. And then I watched yeah. it. I was like, God fucking damn it! <laughs> game, game, game. Like I think we're at the anniversary. As by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be the anniversary of the game's two year release, and we don't even have a trailer. We had some DLC last year, which I enjoyed, but mm-hmm. that's not a trailer. Um, but yeah, f- there's a reason why I'm mentioning Final Fantasy VII so fucking much. Um, and we'll get to it. So, anyways, back to the moment in time. So Square. They are flush with fucking cash. Final Fantasy VII is fucking huge. They're also putting out a ton of other role-playing games, uh, like Xenogears. They also, you know, the sequel to Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. They're they're pumping out a ton of games, and not all of them are hitting, but it's just this huge period of creativity. Um, It it really is like the golden age of role-playing games. And so, of course, why not make a movie? So a new production company called Square Pictures was formed and Columbia Pictures partnered with Square in 2000 to distribute a film. This production company was located in Honolulu, Hawaii. The reasoning being it was a middle ground between Japan and the U.S. This seems like a good idea, but it won't be. Uh, Sakaguchi. So Sakaguchi, he's executive vice president at Square. He oversees the development of Final Fantasy VII and all this other stuff. He gets to develop the script and also uh, be credited as, as the director of this movie. Uh, but the actual dialogue was done by screenwriters Al Reinert of Apollo 13 fame and Jeff Vintar, who's best known for iRobot. Sakaguchi's story was influenced by his thoughts on what happened after death following the loss of his mother in an accident at that time, which is also a theme that manifested in Final Fantasy VII. This film took four years to make due to the enormous amount of time it took to render all the animation, especially when using cutting-edge technology. The budget would balloon to $137 million, with $45 million coming from building the production company in Hawaii. Oi, oi vey, Wait, man. so like they, they just were... So the, took, part of the budget of this movie, because I looked this up after I watched it, where I was like, what the fuck? Why, why is it so expensive? Like, why is this movie so expensive? Was that they're just like, well... We're only going to build this for, like, for this one movie. Like The <laughs> fact that there was no like plan of being like, hey, maybe we should like make this into more of a hub and like make this into, like we'll make multiple movies, is, that seems wild. There were intents <laughs> to make multiple movies, but this movie uh, did not do well. <laughs> so it released on July 11th, 2001 in North America and opened to $32 million. Now, um, the age of $100 million openings was not yet going to happen. I think Spider-Man broke that barrier, but even then, I think they were definitely expecting more. Um, and the worldwide box office total was $85 million off of $137 million budget. So... That's not good, guys. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> um, the film's Rotten Tomato score was 44% with an average rating of 5.3 uh, out of 10. Roger Ebert, though, gave the film a positive review of three and a half stars, praising it as a technical milestone. Uh, he did have some minor criticism of the plot, but he did say uh, the reason to see the film was that it was simply glorious to look at, and he especially praised the realism in Aki's face. Um, he also expressed a desire... 
uh, for the film to succeed in hopes of seeing others mean its image, though he was skeptical of its ability to be accepted. Um, oh, and I also skipped this paragraph. This is pretty funny. Uh, Aki Ross, the lead character of the film, uh, was designed to be as realistic as possible. Her character model consisted of thick 60,000 hairs, which were separately animated and rendered. Separately animated, 60,000, oh man. God. Like, <laughs> what's so funny is that, like, you cannot tell that that's what they did. <laughs> like, nowadays. Like, it's just, um, like, we've evolved so much further that it's like, oh, that's a lot of work. But I, I guess, like, I you know, looking back, there's some shots where her hair is kind of, like, swaying as she walks. It's like, okay. Yeah. I, that's still not realistic. I don't, like, watch movies and go, like, wow, her... This actress's hair is really moving with her. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into what we should compare this to, because I, I do think this film actually aged better than I expected in terms of visuals. I'm, I'm, I think there's some issues with the lighting, but in areas where the lighting is better, it actually does look pretty good, in my opinion. Um, but anyways, Square pitched Aki as a virtual actress who could appear in other movies after The Spirits Within's huge success, uh, which totally <laughs> happened, right? Aki is a virtual act, uh, actress. Ooh. They kind They kind of did... <laughs> predict vtubers i guess which are now a big thing i suppose but like vtubers aren't starring in movies yet maybe they yeah there, i guess there's like a weird thing where it's like this is this was like a phenomenon in like the 2000s i feel like where they were like starting to play with this idea of like what if this like per like if what if we just created an actress that was yeah all ai and all like you know not real and we can just always just put them uh into anything we want uh, and it's like, like, I feel like this is the germ of it, but still I'm like, it's weird because Aki Ross is a character in this movie and not an actress <laughs> playing a character <laughs> named Dr. Aki Ross. Yeah. They didn't like give her like an actress name. They didn't like say, uh, this is what the character model's name is playing Aki Ross. It's just, this is Aki Ross and she'll be in other movies. Very, again, they were thinking super far ahead in the future. And now we've had stuff with like, you know, Mark Hamill's, uh, <clears throat> Deep fakes and like you know the Mandalorian and stuff like that. So we are getting there. Yeah, we're getting to more of the deep fakes, but I think in terms of like this conversation, it's that like I think we're more likely to see deep fakes of like older actors and newer things rather than like a completely like unknown like oh this person was created completely digitally. There's you know and then just start inserting them into movies. Like I think we're not at that point, but I do think we're closing in at, at a point where it's like hey, there's a new James Dean movie or like, like there's a, there's a really cool interest um, musical project um, that like basically um, it was like uh, about the 27 club um, where they basically, there's this group, it's called AI lost tales of the 27 club. And it was like these uh, computer scientists who made new songs uh, based on like people who died, who were part of the 27 club. So it's like, like an AI generated Nirvana song, an AI generated Amy Winehouse song, an AI generated Jimi Hendrix song, like AI generated Doors song. Like it's really cool to hear because you're just like, holy shit. Like it's not perfect. Like the songs aren't the best, but they're just good enough where you're like, huh, like we're, I can see in like 10 years, maybe sooner, maybe a little later that like we're getting to a point where it's, I think we're going to start losing <clears throat> the idea of like uncanny Valley and like things are just going to start melding together and we're going to constantly be like, I don't know what's real and what's not. <laughs> and then the people in the future, when they look back on it, will be like, how do they not realize this was fake? <laughs> <laughs>
to, to tie it into this, though, I think um, Hollywood's uh, uh, fear of new ideas me- meant that Aki Ross was doomed to failure no matter what. Uh, we we want to see old thing. We want to see old things and new things, not new things and new. Well, things. the thing that's weird is so on the Wikipedia page of this uh, this movie is like Aki Ross. I'm I'm. Just, are we going to mention the fact that Aki Ross? They just put her into that <laughs> that magazine. <laughs> they put her into Maxim. I was just going to say that's uh, my next sentence. So to promote the movie, Aki was featured in Maxim magazine uh, in a in a swimsuit and was named number eighty seven of the one hundred hottest women in two thousand one and was the first fictional woman to make that list. So nice, nice. <laughs> I don't know that fuck. I was. You're a good voice actor. That was a good nice. That's like that's, oh, that's, thank you. That's the fucking on the mic paying off. Like, yeah. nice. <laughs> oh my god. My, um, my favorite, so my favorite is there's a New York Times article about this, and like the article title about it is "Perfect Model, Gorgeous, No Complaints, Made of Pixels." <laughs> that's the title of the article. <laughs> I know, man. Okay, um, so. After the financial failure of this movie, Square Pictures closed down in January 2002, and Square's proposed merger with Enix was delayed by about a year due to Enix's hesitance at merging with a company that lost a substantial amount of money, which, fair enough. It did mm-hmm. happen. Uh, Square Enix is doing okay now. Um, they own a lot of things. They own a lot of Western properties, too. But, yeah, it did not work out in this period of time. And it also, like, fucked up the development of, like, multiple Final Fantasy games, too. Like, it fucked up development of 12, definitely 13. Like, this shit, you know, had an effect on the franchise for quite a while. And uh, specifically Sakaguchi, because him and three other Square executives left the company. Although Sakaguchi did manage to sign an agreement to be credited as executive producer on future Final Fantasy games. He spent three years demoralized in Hawaii. Demoralized in Hawaii. He's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that seems like an oxymoron. Just to not be the like, worst I'm, I'm depressed. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, my life, it's it's in shambles. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go to the beach now. I'm going to have some delicious poke bowls. Like, oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just going to go snorkeling to, like, drown my woes. <laughs> and I'm being credited on a bunch of games, so I guess I'm being paid, too. So. Oh, God, my life Whoa. is so hard. My life is so hard. Um, but he did form a, a, a new company in 2004 called Mistwalker. And while Sakaguchi's subsequent games did not achieve the insane success of Final Fantasy, his most recent game, the Apple Arcade exclusive Fantasian, which I've played, it's actually a very good game. Um, it received wide acclaim despite being a mobile game and even managed to win RPG Sites RPG of the Year Award. So things are going well for Sakaguchi, you know? Honestly, I feel good that the story ends on a good point for Sakaguchi. Like. Listen, man, he, he got to make a movie. He did what he could. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out. But also, like, let's get to the point. This film, I, so I, I never watched this movie before seeing the podcast. I knew this was a big flop. Uh, I knew, obviously, um, the criticism against it, uh, which were apparent from the very first trailer, which is, where are the Final Fantasy connections? Because this doesn't look like fucking Final Fantasy. <laughs> um, and yet, as me and Carson are going to talk about, there are a lot of connections to Final Fantasy VII in this movie. And you can totally see that Sakaguchi had a lot on his mind. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into it, folks. Um, let me just get to my notes. Uh, so we open on Aki's eye. She's having a vision of devastation. You know, it's, it's got to be an anime movie or, or a movie in general when you have a vision of devastation. <laughs> Can I going to be honest with you now that we're getting into the movie? This movie bored me to tears. <laughs> this movie <laughs> was 
this is so boring. I was like, what is like it, the problem was is like there was an ending, and then I was like, oh, that's like a kind of a satisfying ending. It's a little sad. And then it was like, oh, there's like another 30 minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like the thing is, is like the other thing is I and I maybe we'll we could talk about this more. I felt like a lot of this was like oh, this would be, these are kind of good cutscenes. Like, this kind of had this, like, same problem that, like, the Halo movie had, which is, like, it, there's definitely, like, it's interesting. I think video game writers trying to transition to, like, say, writing for a different medium have a tough time of being, like, oh, how do we engage this where it's, like, we're not immediately trying to lead up to, like, okay, now the player jumps in and does this stuff. And I felt like, I was, like, there's moments where I was, like, I wanted to play this. I don't want to watch this, if you know what I mean. See, it's funny. I guess low expectations help me. But I enjoyed this movie a lot more than the recent stuff we've watched on this podcast. I like this more than Demon Slayer. Um, even well, Vampire- same, I enjoyed this more. And then also I was very surprised when I was like, huh, is that uh, Steve Buscemi? Is that James Woods? <laughs> like, like, I didn't realize until like after I watched it where I was like, wait a minute. Like, why are all these big boy- like actors in this? And then I'm like, wait a minute. This movie was released like as a giant theatrical release. Also for me, I'm like, I, you know. I would have been like eight years old at the time this movie was released, um, eight or nine. And so I I feel like I'm surprised like I didn't even know this came out. Like I have no I had no idea that this was a thing. Um, oh, I, I remember seeing a trailer for this like during, when I went to see like a Pokemon movie. And yeah. it freaked me out because those visuals were just too too freaky for a kid just wanting to see Pokemon three <laughs> or some shit. Like even even we we talked Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, but for whatever reason that movie felt like a video game to me as well. And I guess this did have, like, some more ideas, in my opinion, than that. Like, honestly, like, I'm putting this ahead of, like, multiple things we've seen recently on the podcast. I guess that's fair. That's fair. Um, But for me, I think I just didn't know what I was walking into. And so there's that. But I will give this it before we get into more details. Visually, this this kind of blew me away. I was, first of all, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, 3D. But then also, I was like, oh, the 3D has really held up well. Like, there are movies that were released around this time that, like, 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 something like A Bug's Life or something where it's, like, those visuals don't hold up the way the visuals in this movie do. You know what I mean? Like it just like there's like something that like about late '90s, early 2000s CGI movies where it's just like oh, it's kind of getting a little harder to watch as things get better and better. But this one, it's like oh, they were really ahead of the curve. So I got to give it credit for that. Like for from just like a visual perspective, I was pretty interested. Um, it was just like there's definitely story elements from just like okay, like okay, let's, we're go, we're going here. Uh, and again, I think it's because I walked in thinking like, oh, Final Fantasy, this is like, yeah, again, this gritty Neo-Tokyo story. And then I was, this was like a space adventure. And I mean, you know, this has fucking Space Marines like a couple months before Halo comes out. So I I, I know Space Marines aren't exclusive to Halo, but it is just kind of funny. Similar elements around that time are just a thing. Does this come out before Halo? Uh, This came out in July of 2001. So Halo comes out in November of 2001. Oh, weird. I guess, like, Space uh, space I mean, Marines were on the mind. Because, like, there's, what, Starship Troopers came Starship out Troopers. Around, around that time. You probably... Stargate as well. War, like, like, Warhammer's a thing. Warhammer 40K. So I think Warhammer is, like, probably the go-to Space Marine aesthetic. Because so. I think that's been around for a while. But, yeah, right. no, the visuals held up. Like, I thought we were going to, like, make fun of this movie and, you know, say, ooh, her, 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 our, you know, Uncanny Valley, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there are definitely times where I can't understand the characters' emotions just by how they're looking like i'm trying to read their faces and i'm 
getting a bit confused by what I'm trying to uh, feel. You know, there's elements to this that I felt like, oh, this could have, and I guess it makes sense. Like also looking at who the screenwriters are, and that like these, like for both screenwriters, uh, this is their only animated project. Um, that like I could have easily seen this script turned into like just a live action movie, and it would have been wouldn't have been probably well as well done <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I guess the thing is though, they were trying to treat it as such. I mean, you know, it is it is like is this like the first serious three D CG blockbuster movie i can't think of another one i think this is like the first it's gotta be yeah it's gotta it's, be it's got i'd be fucking shocked i'd be fucking unless there's something in the 90s that we're like completely missing so hey if you if someone wants yeah. to correct us let us know but yeah sorry carson what are, what are your thoughts i know i i've done a lot of talking in the last couple of minutes so i i'd watched this movie a long time like probably 10 11 years ago and i remember really enjoying it so i was excited to go back to it and then when i rewatched it, i was like that didn't hold up as much as I remember enjoying it as a kid, but I like the visuals are still fantastic. And I, I hadn't known who the cast was uh, when I watched it for the first time. So immediately after watching it, I looked up who was in it. I was like, oh shit, they got some big fucking names for this movie. I mean, uh, I recognize the names pretty immediately just because yeah. the voices are so distinct. Yeah. yeah, like once I heard um like one of the council members, like it was Keith David, I was like, oh shit, I do not remember that. Yeah, I mean, as a, if you watch this as a kid and you don't know like movies at that point, mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, "Oh, it's just a boy, another voice in the crowd." Yeah. But I think as an adult and also like being someone who loves like you know film and TV and like pop culture, it's like yeah, you start going like, "Oh God!" Like okay, I recognize these voices. Uh, and I mean, some of them have just like iconic voices. Like Steve Buscemi just has a mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi voice. Yeah, like, just, like you can't really hide it. Same with like James Woods and obviously D- uh, Keith David and. You know, you have like Donald Sutherland's in there and Alec Baldwin. Um, all of them. All of, we're all they they all picked people with very distinct voices. Can I can I say I want to give some credit to uh to the producers for the fact that they did a reverse Scarlett Johansson and they cast um was it uh Ming Na Wen uh as as a white woman. <laughs> Is she white? I thought she was kinda like I don't know. I thought uh it's kinda ethnically ambiguous. Is she white? Aki Ross? I guess that's well I mean in two thousand and one are they put you know like it seems like when I look at Aki Ross is like uh, if Aki Ross is an actress, is a virtual actress, I feel like they were thinking of her as a white actress at the time rather than uh um but I gotta so I gotta give credit. And also like she's a great actress too in her own mm-hmm. home, right? Like she's you know Obviously, right now, you know, she's killing it in, like, The Mandalorian, and then... Boba Fett, she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, She was Mulan's uh, voice actress. Uh, I read that she was, like, doing ER when she was... uh, Again, Ming-Na Wen's fucking dope. Uh, I'm pro-putting Ming-Na Wen in in movies. Exactly. (laughs) So, so, like, it's a strong cast. I just wanted to give the the producers some credit for uh, for doing the reverse. (laughs) And she, like, again, like, again, she's playing the lead character. She's playing the lead character, and this movie was, like, using revolutionary tech i mean the fact that we're not really bashing the movie's visuals that much despite it coming out in 2001 is like very unexpected i was again expecting to be much meaner to this movie's visuals i guess maybe we can talk about art direction but no like it it holds up shockingly well it really does yeah i agree it's it's kind of blown i kind of i when i saw 2001 i was like what the hell like this is released before 9-11 just to put that in perspective and we never forget about 9-11. <laughs> never forget. Uh, let's talk about the story, though. So um, Aki Roth, she's having these visions of devastation. Um, and the year is December 13th, 2065. And 
she gives this narration where she says she believes her dreams are the key to saving Earth. Um, also, one of the director, one of the art directors for Mass Effect, uh, one of my favorite series, he did say he was a fan of this movie and was inspired by the visuals of it. And so I've actually noticed some shots uh, that reminded me of Mass Effect. So, like I can see this being for like certain you know people. Uh, very much like a cult classic, like something that they just, you know, really like and like watch and go back to for inspiration. Like I can definitely see that being the case because there are yeah. like some stuff in here where you're like, oh, yeah, I can see people kind of drawing inspiration. Like for me, like I, like when I've written and writing stuff, like I always like to go like there's definitely times where I'll watch a movie or, or a TV show and I'll be like, fuck, they, like I wanted to like this a lot more. And then I try to figure out like, why didn't I like this and like how, how I would fix it? And I feel like I could see a lot of people, you know, taking that kind of approach when watching this, being like, I, there's good things here. It just it doesn't fully gel together. Um, Carson, I got a question for you. Um, when you think of Final Fantasy, you think of uh, the fantastic music of the series, right? Absolutely. And what does this movie uh, lack? Uh, fantastic the compo- music. <laughs> the composer to Final Fantasy. Like, why, yeah. why did they not get uh, Nobuo Uematsu, who has made some of the greatest, uh, and I think there's also other composers, but uh, Nobuo is the one who I can just name drop off the top of my hat. Mm. Like, you have these incredible composers um, from the Final Fantasy video games, and even in like 1997, they're making these incredible themes and they're having to make them fit, you know, the sound requirements of, you know, uh, older consoles. And yet, you go with this i i couldn't even name the tracks or you know think of the tracks even though i watched this movie like 30 minutes well, ago what's yeah. so weird about it is that like the so i looked up just like the composer because yeah like i first of all i wouldn't have guessed that music like great music is part of the final fantasy lore because this you know the music's so muted here but it's like i looked up just right now the uh the composer which is like elliot uh goldenthal and like his credits like this guy was the king in the 90s it seems like his credits included like he was the composer of like starts off like basically with like alien 3 and then like ends up he's does the music for batman forever heat interview with the vampire a time to kill batman and robin which maybe that's uh not kill on it <laughs> but <laughs> um you know but it's fear with uh barry levinson you know he like this, like 2001, obviously it's Final Fantasy for him. And then he ends up, I know after this movie, he kind of starts like tailing off. It's sort of like he does SWAT, the movie SWAT. And then like, it's like, yeah, it really is the end. Um, maybe I'm giving him too much credit as I'm like, look, as I'm scrolling down, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> there's a reason he's, since 2001, he's only done like less than 10 movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, like, I know this is 2001, so maybe they're not treating the video game fan base super well. Obviously, like the, they're they are st- they are still struggling to make good video game adaptations, even in the year 2022. Although somehow the Sonic movie is getting a sequel, and that looks really good. Um, but that's the <laughs> well, only. I think what I think the future of video game adaptations, uh, speaking of 2022, is in television, mm-hmm. and it will be led by The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, even Fallout, which I was skeptical about, it's, it's going to have Walton Goggins in the cast, so that makes me uh, happy. Um, but yeah, I think now a video game adaptation would be like, yeah, we'll at least get some tracks inspired by, say, uh, Uematsu's work. And they, they have done subsequent Final Fantasy um, 3D movies, but those were specifically tied to existing video games. But you know what I mean. Like, again, like, they, you know, 
there's all these elements of Final Fantasy, like magic and um, those wonderful creatures called Chocobos. And uh, this movie has like no Easter eggs. Uh, mm-hmm. The only Easter egg is a person named Sid, and they spell his name incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Sid. Um, so Sp- Sid in the video games, Malcolm, is spelled uh, C-I-D. And there's like always been a recurring Sid character since like Final Fantasy III. That's just a thing. Um, but then they're like, no, we're going to spell it S-I-D. I don't know why they fucking do that, but they do it. Um, but Donald Sutherland plays a good Sid. I don't know. I'm sure there's, I don't know. A- among the Sids. They were, making, they were Americanizing it. Among the Sids, Carson, <laughs> where where do you rank a Sutherland Sid? I'm sure there's got to um, be more unforgettable. I know there's better Sids, but maybe there's more forgettable Sids. There's there's definitely more forgettable Sids. Um, I thought I thought he was okay. Well, Don Sutherland is cool. I like yeah, him. I, I like Don Sutherland. I just thought the character was like, oh, okay, he's, he's a doctor, but you know that that's a perfectly Sid role. Uh, a perf, you know, all right, let's make the scientist a Sid. Um, so anyways, so Aki Ra, she's going down to old New York City, um, and she's got this cool visor and a gun. She shoots off a flare, and you see these weird spirit aliens who are, who are our antagonists um, in this movie. We, we learn a bit more about them, but right now they're just these weird ghost creatures, um, maybe even spirits within. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then our then our then our heroic space marines they drop down. They try to nab Aki, and they're shooting the spirits. And uh, Alec Baldwin is the main space marine. When Alec Baldwin took off his helmet, I thought his character model looked a lot like Ben Affleck. Did any of you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely. I I feel like they were gunning for uh, for Ben Affleck to be like, "Oh, do you want to just do the voice for this?" But he was like just too big of an actor at the time, and so they were like, "Well, I guess we'll get Alec Baldwin instead." (laughs) (laughs) Who was like on his like low point, like that? Well, he's on a lower point (laughs) right now. Um, (laughs) He's on his lowest. (laughs) I knew we were going to do this, and it did not disappoint. It did not disappoint. Yeah. Oh so. my god. <laughs> Malcolm, thank you. That was the best way you could have phrased that. Murderer Alec Baldwin. <laughs> oh, Who knows? Geez. The more the more he said the more he says about that, at first I was defending him, and like the more he said, I'm like, well, who knows, man? Who knows? I'm willing to believe anything at this point. I mean, yeah. it's very least he was producer on that. He's probably criminally negligent at least. But then the more he keeps talking about it, I'm like, oh no, maybe this was intentional. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of those guys who's like, I was playing a, a gunslinger. I had to shoot I, someone. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that this podcast doesn't have a ton of listens. I'm going to do this. Um, really risky. I'm going to slander Alec Baldwin right now and call him a fucking murderer. Murderer Alec Baldwin voices. Well, he's uh, really, like, it's no one's denies that he fired the gun. Like, that's the no, thing. It's like, there's no murder. one in the, like, you can't be like, oh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, it's like Matthew Broderick. It's like Matthew Broderick, also oh, yeah. <laughs> cold-blooded killer. <laughs> Uh, um, Matthew Broderick, yeah, well, he paid a fine. Well, he paid a hundred and fifty dollars fine for that too. He killed two people, man. Fuck Matthew. Oh, Broderick. oh, sorry. oh, yeah. <laughs> he killed two people. One more than, uh, w- yeah, one more than Mister uh, Baldwin. <laughs> well, but that's why we need to put him behind bars because how many more people can he accidentally accidentally kill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big uh, asterisk uh, there. Um, oh my god. Um, but yeah, his character. I mean, that's the thing. Like. Obviously, now, if you're doing a big-budget 3D movie that's supposed to be realistic like this, even video games, like, even something like Jewel from The Last of Us, um, which is, which, you know, great motion capture work by Troy Baker, even that, it's kind of like, because I've noticed a lot of these, um, for realistic games, they just straight up use the face model of the actor. 
So like, you know, if this was being done now, it would have used Alec Baldwin's face or whoever, Timothy Chalamet, whoever the fuck is playing this character in 2022. I would think it would be like maybe that the guy plays Nate on like Euphoria. Like I feel like he would be kind of the model or like, yeah, maybe a Timothy Chalamet. I feel like the Steve Buscemi character would have been Pete Davidson. Yeah, totally. Pete Davidson could have played that role. I want to uh, see that now. I really want to see that now. Oh, same here. Get Pete Davidson into the Final Fantasy world. That's uh... make, make the deep fake. I mean, it's already a 3D fictional film, so you could just do it. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> true. Already a deep fake, man. Um, yeah, that's what took me out of the movie because, again, I think the, the effects hold up, but it's that model just doesn't look right saying Alec Baldwin's lines. Alec Baldwin, even though I know he's younger when this movie comes out, still comes across as a very older man. I don't know. I think Ben Affleck also, I wish Ben Affleck would become a voice actor. I wish it, you know, in another life, Ben Affleck is like the Troy Baker of, of uh, video games or something. He's just like <laughs> doing voiceover roles and his like bored, disinterested tone. I would have I loved him in this. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I like modern day Ben Affleck, the most divorced dad energy. <laughs> it's the only way, again, I think he would have been perfect in this role of Alec Baldwin. And again, they, clearly modeled it over him and Affleck just has like a video game he looks like a piece of meat he has that video game space marine face like I just I don't know he does he's got like again like he's a man's man um I'm pro I'm pro I'm pro uh Ben Affleck so I don't know put Ben Affleck in video games he's got time he's not doing Batman anymore <laughs> um but Ving Rhames is also in this because this is 2001 so the black mm-hmm. dude is Ving Rhames so I appreciate that I don't know. I was hoping there'd be more Ving Rhames. I got excited because, again, Ving Rhames has a very distinct voice, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he doesn't get much to do in this. I was like, shit, he might be our speed wagon, but uh, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always just, I always feel like Ving Rhames, like, he's always like, been an actor where I feel like he deserves more than what he's gotten. Like, I've always loved him, and er- basically everything he's ever done, I've always been like, he's usually like one of the best parts, if not the best part. And so, like, here again, I was just like, Oh, it's so cool. He, I hear his voice. I'm like, oh, he'll have like a cool character. And then it's just like, nah, like he just like, he just like kind of is there and then he dies. And you're like, oh. Yeah, Ving Rhames has uh, the iconic line, uh, just one of those days. Um, and that's the only <laughs> line of dialogue I remember from him. I think he mentions he has like a grandpa around the crater or some shit or some family member that died. Something like that. I don't that. know. Um, and then, yeah, Steve Buscemi as Neil. Um and yeah, uh, does not that character? When I first saw that character, uh, that character's face, I didn't feel like it felt like a Steve Buscemi face. But by the end of the movie, started to work with me. Started to work. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I was lulled into it. I was like, you know what? This is what it's it. going in. This is what's happening. I'm just gonna go along for the ride. I wasn't <laughs> like, I wasn't gonna question it too much further. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm having a fun time here with him. Because again, it was just another one of those things where you're like, wait why is he here <laughs> like he's just here <laughs> like, um i think like yeah. i can tell like i bet you if you asked him like it's like if someone was to be like hey what was it like working on final fantasy spirits within he'd be like what are you talking about and then someone would have to like <laughs> have to show him his imdb and he's like oh yeah that like yeah. you know i i bought a house with that money like that's what it is it's like <laughs> it's one of those yeah. classic like yeah, I went and, uh, yeah, like, it paid for my, you know, just some, like, innocuous, like, oh, I bought a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Ming-Na Wen probably remembers that movie better than anyone because she had mm-hmm. to do, like, a lot of promotion for the whole virtual actress concept. But even she said that, like, she only was going in, like, once or twice a month. 
uh, to record dialogue. And also, it should be mentioned, like, this was not recorded in Japanese first. So we're not even, this isn't even a dub that we watched. This is the, uh, this was the original English, because uh, it is a big Hollywood movie. Yeah, I kind of uh, figured that. I, like, at this point, I was like, okay, this is definitely, like, made for the American market first, and then, like, international markets, specifically Japan, were, like, sort of the afterthought. Which I think is also the mistake here. <laughs> so yeah, Alec Baldwin, he gets scanned. I don't even have his character name. It's just Alec Baldwin, guys. Uh, and it's revealed that he's infected. Um, and I thought he had died at first because it was hard to read the characters' faces. <laughs> but then, no, it turns out he's alive and this is a love story. This is the, the love story between Alec Baldwin and uh, Dr. Aki Ross. Do you guys know anything about Guy? Did you guys pay attention to the, to the whole Guy thing? Stand it. I was like, I was like, you're, you're, I was like, there's this whole scene about with Gaia, and then I was like, it's something to do with like, like this emotional monologue with uh, where she's like, there's a seven year old, and she's like, yeah. uh, you know, I was ready to, I, you know, so sad because the seven year old was like ready to die, and I was like, what is happening? Like, what, what are you talking? <laughs> who are they talking about? And I think what makes this weird is like, I thought like, okay. Maybe this is more directed, like, directly linked to the video games than... I guess they, it is. I assume that the girl she's talking about is in the video game. No, this is this is completely separate from the video games. She's not! Episodes. So why are they talking about this girl? <laughs> <laughs> like, Appar- apparently the girl was going to... She's in the monologue, and then we never hear or see or even think about her for the rest of the movie. Like, it was just like... I know it's supposed to be a save the cat moment of just, like... Well, not like, you know, literally, but it's like, of just being like, oh, she's traumatized from this event. But I was just like, why? Like, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> like, there's there's some story. We'll talk about this more towards the ending, but there's some story decisions that I thought would have paid off and then totally didn't, uh, which is unfortunate because they would have been very anime story decisions. And I like mm-hmm. those kinds of ones. Um, but yeah, so like Dr. Sid, he's basically telling Aki they have to find these eight spirits. Um, anytime you put a number of like, we have to find the 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 number of blank that's a very video game concept isn't it carson very like got, very got the eight objects which means we'll go to the eight towns and fight the yep. eight bosses or some shit like that uh but because it's like you know an hour and 45 minute movie it, it really only means that like the eighth spirit is the one that's important or something yeah <laughs> like oh we're skipping straight to seven and eight who cares yep. about one two three and four? Oh yeah five. we got the rest let's let's go <laughs> wow you could have just said we need to find these two more spirits we've already mm-hmm. got the other ones now it's just like the final fantasy spirit (laughs) oh my god um so let's talk about the council the council is led by council member number one that's his official name Mm -hmm. keith david (laughs) i love keith david man keith david in movies is good and he's also in mass effect so i got to mention mass effect again (laughs) (laughs) no it's great i I think keith Keith david's model kind of looks like denzel washington just just a bit yeah just a bit i mean they couldn't afford denzel washington for council member number one <laughs> they should have been willing to have an interracial relationship with uh denzel washington and aki ross like oh, fuck geez. denzel is so, denzel is so much better guys denzel is so much yeah better that would have been way better, better. like like also, yeah <laughs> also that, imagine if they if, what it, imagine instead of alec baldwin they kept like the same character design of captain gray edwards but it was just denzel washington <laughs> that would have dope too and, and that then would have been awesome and then you double down on the reverse like scarlett johansson is like, <laughs> yeah. like here's a black man taking a white man's role and i would be here for it in that regard 
Uh, but um, also, I know like that would not have flown even back in two thousand one. I'm gonna, so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this movie on silent and just play clips of Denzel Washington dialogue during his scenes just to see if they can match. <laughs> <laughs> just play the tragedy of um, I mean, of Macbeth. <laughs> I mean, it's like James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. I mean, you know, hey, it's it's sometimes you got a incredible voice. It works. Uh, Denzel Washington makes every movie watchable too. That's just a fact. That's there's true. no there is no full on bad Denzel Washington movie. There are maybe lesser Denzel Washington movies, but they are all watchable. No, his only bad movies are like at the very beginning of his career, like oh, like Carbon I, Copy, which oh, is uh, is the comedy movie he does where he's like. The black son of a white businessman who's also oh. maybe kind of racist. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. I want to see that now. I want to it, see was, it was made in 1981, classic time for comedy. Damn, uh, he must have been like 19 or something. I don't know. Yeah, I it's his it very good. first role. Like, it's like yeah, he man. hadn't like done anything before this. Like, it's the first one. And then he like doesn't do more. Like, he goes on to do like St. Elsewhere, the TV show, and then he starts his movie career with like a soldier story, and then it just like goes from there. But yeah, no, it's like it's the also like really the only comedy in his career. Like you don't think of Denzel Washington as like a comedic actor, and there's a real good reason for that. And it's because you watch this movie and you're like, oh boy, this guy <laughs> can't do comedy. <laughs> There, there is a book that tries to explain the themes of this film, and I'm just going to say it without. This is my first time reading it. Maybe we'll pick up on something. Uh, Lisa uh, Olivia Monet stated the film remediated the notion of life in the neo vitalistic evolutionary biology of Lynn Margulis and in contemporary theories on artificial life. Going on to state that the film's exploration of the Gaia hypothesis raised interesting questions regarding the life and death process of both cinema and digital media, as well as contemporary life sciences, cybernetics, philosophy, and science fiction. Did any of you guys pick up on that? No. No. (laughs) Okay, cool. I just thought it was like, let's say something smart, but uh, I don't know. Um, I guess now, Carson, is probably a good time to to talk about the Final Fantasy VII connections, because... yeah. I mean, this game's your favorite one. Do you mind going into like the whole live stream concept, which I definitely recognize in this movie? Yeah. So the whole point of the live stream is like the, it's this energy that comes from the planet of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, you come from it when you're born, and you go back to it when you die. And it's also a protector of the planet. Um, it's it's a little not complicated, a little uh, very anime in a way. But um, yeah, it's it's just this. It's like a life energy that um, everyone has it. And it's just important. It's important to the story of of seven as well. And in Final Fantasy VII, there's an evil corporation called Shinra that's harvesting this Mako energy that we learned comes from the life stream. So again, it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a metaphor for climate change. Yes, very much Um, so. But yeah, Final Fantasy VII has like for one thing, it has a better story than this movie, and it has more coherent ideas. Like it's the themes are very clear. It also has you know forty to fifty hours to develop all that. But I did recognize these concepts in this movie. Like the whole Gaia thing is very much similar to the live stream. And uh, our antagonist, uh, James Woods. Uh, James General, Woods. Gen- General Hun. <laughs> General Hine? I think it's Hine. Oh, is it Hine? Is it? Okay. I, I couldn't give a shit about his character. Like, he was just. Like, <laughs> you can't give a like, shit about James Woods? Fuck, James Woods in a movie. I know he's a bad man. A very bad man. But... <laughs> no, he's, he, he's a bad man playing a bad man. But it's. Uh, I just think there, there's some funny scenes. Like, for me, there was like one moment where he's just like talking. Uh, and then he's like, I guess with the major. And he's at one point, he's just like, 
yeah, why is it, you know, uh, you know, why am I as a general explaining this to a major? I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's like no i know why you have to explain it because people need to understand your fucking mm-hmm. plan because <laughs> this whole thing has to do with the zeus canon right that's one thing is like yeah. it's, it's all about like whether or not they're gonna like you know imp- you know use the zeus canon which i didn't really understand for the first like third of the movie i was like why is i'm assuming the zeus canon at that point was like you know sort of a like um atomic bomb situation but for these spirit ghosts Malcolm, do you think that do you think that Zeus is a big player in Final Fantasy games, even as an Easter egg? I would. I'm going to make the assumption and say yes. No, there's only nope. an armor in Final Fantasy IV and a weapon in Final Fantasy Adventure. Um, no, Odin. Odin is the preferred god in uh, oh. Final Fantasy. Uh, there's yeah, also but... like Shiva. There's like various other gods, but no, Zeus. Oh. Is, Final Fantasy is pro-Nordic god uh, when it comes to lightning, because uh, Odin is the one. I was just saying that this movie fucks up its references. <laughs> That's what, that was my point. Because it's like, you know, you could call it the Odin canon and be like, oh yeah, there's like an Odin summon in the Final Fantasy games, blah blah blah. But nope. Uh, they use Zeus canon. Uh, and sorry, what were you saying? Malcolm, fuck. I derailed this. No, I was just saying that, like, I with the the emphasis on the Zeus canon, I thought that was a bigger part of the Final Fantasy lore. But I'm quickly realizing that this was just for the movie, and that I mean, like, doesn't mean much of anything. I mean, it means anything in the sense that oh, it's a video game, so therefore there's going to be a canon. And like you know, Final Fantasy VII had like massive weapons. Because like, this yep. movie really hinges on whether or not the general can use the cannon. Like that's like it, his, yeah. whole, his whole motivation is like I got to use the cannon. Like the can <laughs> the cannon's right there. We built it. We got to use it. And like everyone else being like, no, like we we need to figure out what's going on with the spirits and like um and like the phantoms. Sorry, the, the phantoms. Uh, you know, and then like also on top of it, you know, there's also the whole. Because there was like a oh, the early part of the movie, which we kind of skipped over, is um, Aki Ross um, like going into one of these barrier cities so she could retrieve like a like retrieve a weed because I guess it's like the first thing that's grown on the planet in a very long time, and yet like people were just giving her shit. She's like, "Why are you even here?" <laughs> like it's like, "No, I I detect this." Yeah, I mean the Zeus canon to me just kind of reminded me of you know the metaphor with Shinra, although in in Shinra was a corporation, and it's a better metaphor in general. Um, but the Zeus cannon was like, yeah, it's a weapon; it can destroy. It's going to kill the bad guys, but it can also destroy the planet. So yep. that whole Mutually that's the metaphor. Assured destruction. Yeah, we and have this cannon, and we're going to use it. It's going to be great. <laughs> Fantastic! Uh, it's a big cannon. It's the biggest cannon. It's the best cannon. It's the biggest, best cannon. <laughs> That's the thing. It could kill the fans, but it could also destroy the life force of the planet and destroy the Earth, which is bad. <laughs> That's good. It no, could destroy I mean, the phantoms, but also they all said they've never seen a bigger, bester cannon in, uh, ever in existence. <laughs> oh, I can't do the voice, but I can do the. We're going to get Mexico to pay for the cannon. Yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> so Aki reveals that she's been infected, and the collected spirits are keeping her infection stable. And she convinces the council there may be another way to defeat the phantoms. Um, but then this makes Hein uh, think that uh, she's being controlled by the phantoms. Um, they find the seventh spirit in like uh, this kind of crater. Um, they they touch down on another part of the planet. They get into a big action scene. We see some spirits uh, take down some random space marines. 
Carson, do you think Hein is the most Final Fantasy looking character in this movie? By I far. feel it. Yeah, he impressed me because everyone else is super generic. They're fucking Halo, Space Marines, Warhammer, yeah. whatever the fuck you want to call it. Hein's got the trench coat. He's got the black gloves. He's got the slick <laughs> back hair. He's got like the the Nazi pendant on his Nazi uh, mm-hmm. lapel or whatever. You know he's a bad guy. <laughs> like he walks into frame and you're like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> this guy looks. He's like not a my Final friend. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a Final Fantasy bad guy. Like he could be like he a does. Shinra. He does. He looks like he could be a Shinra henchman. Mm. We're mentioning we're mentioning Final Fantasy VII a lot, but this movie was made alongside that game. Mm. So you know, props to his design, and you know, James Woods' voice fits him because James Woods fits the voices of bad men. <laughs> <laughs> also, like this isn't even like the only um, Square project James Woods been a part of because he's been a part of all the Kingdom Hearts games because uh, right. Disney <laughs> Disney is legally like Disney has an agreement that no matter how bad you are as a person, if you've voiced a Disney character, they have to. You, you automatically get first offer to re- to reprise your role for anything, whether it's merchandise or video games or movies. Oh, jeez. So I know some people were, like, saying, like, can- cancel, uh, uh, don't buy uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 because of James Woods, but it's like, well, Disney's... They brought back T.J. Miller, even, even though that guy got canceled as well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh, it is funny that, yeah, James Woods has worked with Square on subsequent occasions. You need to make uh, their money, man. <laughs> listen, if you don't have James Woods voicing Hades, you can't have a sound alike. Yeah, no, hire... definitely not. I'm sure there's no one from on the mic training who could, you know, provide a voice <laughs> for Hades at a reasonable price. Much cheaper Square, than James Square Woods. hit us up, man. <laughs> they should. They should everyone. Yeah. Everyone Yeah, this sounds like a like who sounds the most like James Wood I'm sure there's been like you know however many students there's got to be one person who could do James Michael Dangerfield. I'm just waiting for like a major like a truly major like Simpsons voiceover actor to pass away (laughs) and then like just them to launch a contest being like we're searching all over social media for the next Homer Simpson. (laughs) Dan Dan, speaking of which Dan Castellaneta has voiced the genie in the Kingdom Hearts games. Really? Even well even before Robin Williams passed away like because you know they couldn't get Robin Williams for Kingdom Hearts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's and he also uh, he voiced the genie in I think the TV show and the second Aladdin movie. Oh, not, okay. Not the third. In the third, they they were like bringing back Robin Williams as the genie. That was the uh, the hook for that one. <laughs> um. Anyways, um, what is it? Yeah, at some point in the movie, we're kind of jumping, we're jumping back and forth, but that's where the the little girl speech comes in from Aki. Um, Aki gets some visions. I thought the when Aki was getting the more detailed visions, I thought they were robots, but those are actually aliens. So she's getting these visions of aliens in a destroyed world. Um, let's just end the vision talk right there because it's just going to get confusing. We we learned <laughs> we we learned that these visions um, they are they are visions of the past. They are not visions of the future. They're visions of the past. These aliens destroyed their world in their own holocaust. Um, and then a meteor, uh, came crashing down on earth, uh, which brought, um, these spirits within the planet. Uh, did I say that? Did I, did I do that well? You sure did. Was, you did. Was my grammar, was my grammar proper? Again, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Carson. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the plot to Final Fantasy VII, but there is like a plot <laughs> involving Meteor. There stuff. is, yep. That's... It isn't like. Genova, doesn't Genova come from space or some shit? Uh, yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty similar because Genova um came to the planet uh and essentially 
did the same thing, killed all the people on the planet, the ancients. Um, and then there was like only a few left, and the only one left in the game is Aerith. Yeah, it, it's there's a lot of similar plot beats in this movie to Final Fantasy VII, which was very, very intentional. I think just watching it, you could very, very much see, considering they were developed alongside each other. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. And it's just, you know, you're making all these plot connections, but they do require you to have knowledge of the game. Wikipedia doesn't really exist. Yeah. Uh, car, you know, <laughs> I guess you could go on game facts and, you know, early video <laughs> game forums and shit. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I do like these connections. It does at least, you know, give you an idea of what they were going for, even though Final Fantasy VII is a much better story. It is. It is. So many fucking ways. Like, it's also fun. It has the cross-dressing segment. There's entertaining characters. Uh, Again, I'm very looking forward to the next three games in this weird compilation of the remakes, whatever it is. Mm. Um, But yeah, like, this movie could have just had some fucking connections. Like, give us some Chocobos. Give us some stupid Moogles. Give us some something to latch onto that indicates this is a Final Fantasy project. And instead, it's just this gray, dreary uh, thing with some interesting psychological ideas that I don't think anyone was ready for. Yeah. yeah. I think I think this movie in general would have done better if it just didn't have the title Final Fantasy. Yeah, if this was, I don't know, called The Spirits Within and it was yeah. this cool, yeah. weird, big budget sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a weird thing, yeah, because it's, again, it's that thing of they just, it almost feels like they just slapped Final Fantasy on it. It's like, IP. Like, we need to think IP yeah. on it. And then it's like, yeah, this kind of shitty story. Like, like if you had told me that this was like, can again, like, uh, these are, you know, the two screenwriters here. One, I think you said earlier, Jack was iRobot. Another one, you know, did some other stuff, including, I guess, like Apollo 13. If you had told me that, like, this, like, was some script that they had written, some, like, kind of, I don't know, generic sci-fi script in that, oh, the studio bought it and then we're like, hey, we're going to make this into a Final Fantasy movie. Like, that wouldn't make sense to me. Like, it would have mm-hmm. been like, uh, like, but here it's, again, it's so confusing that way. And yeah, it doesn't sound like it does any sort of fan service. So, um, yeah, is, well, I guess I mean, it's weird because like back in 2001, they, they were like, fuck the fans. Like, we're going to fuck them. We know better. And I feel like now we live in an era where it's like almost, I feel like these studios in like production companies go in like, overdo the fan service a bit where it's just like hey like we got all the spider-man back together (laughs) hey like did you hey did you like that daredevil showed up in the new spider-man movie like hey we're it's coming back like i feel like that's it's sort of the reverse and i feel like if this was made today this final fantasy movie would have way more easter eggs into like the actual franchise well and and i guess once again to bring this back to the final fantasy 7 talk the the next 3d final fantasy 7 movie which i did our, the next 3D Final Fantasy movie, which I did consider covering instead of this, but it would have been even more incomprehensible to Malcolm, <laughs> was what's yeah. Final Fantasy Advent Children because they mm-hmm. made a movie sequel to Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a weird movie. I think it's I think it's more dated than this one. In fact, it's it's For pure sure. it's pure fan service. And I think the fans don't like it anymore either. <laughs> I don't know. I- I enjoy most of the action scenes. The I action think the is first, very good. Yeah, I think the first half of the movie is pretty boring, though. It's a it's a weird movie, and I cl- and it also made emo cloud a thing. And I'm so fucking glad. I'm so glad the characterization in the Final Fantasy remake project has been the opposite of what that movie did. I, that was my biggest fear for the remake. It's like, oh, they're just gonna make emo cloud, and then it's like, nope, he feels exactly how he should feel. 
there there's a funny line in uh the game but final fantasy 7 has this as a scene that should have been in this movie where uh the main character has to cross dress and in the <laughs> remake um the, one of the characters a girl is like oh my god cloud you're you're doing what you look so and he's like yeah i get it nailed it moving on yeah <laughs> and it was like it's so beautiful it's like mm-hmm. there's no gay panic there's no gay panic he's like no. yeah i fucking nailed it let's just move on he's like yeah i know i look hot as fuck <laughs> uh so there's when aki when she gets uh another spirit taking over her she kind of goes into this catatonic state and then a trader marine who uh we never see his face because this movie has to save money <laughs> anytime you like, see like characters like not wearing masks i'm like oh yeah this cost a lot of fucking money mm-hmm. even these like somewhat generic faces we see probably took a lot of time to render so sometimes you just have to have clones trader character doesn't get to be a character um he does shoot aki mm-hmm. and then we get like a brief slow-mo fight scene which i thought could have been cooler but it doesn't last long enough but there well, is, like, the slow mo here is always like if I, I feel like sometimes the slow mo just like kind of became jarring. Like it was just this the stuff that would just happen out of nowhere. You're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, why is why are they in slow mo? Uh, one of the other big slow mo moments that actually made me laugh out loud was like near the end where like uh, Gray is like it looks like Gray is going to be abandoned at that base and it's just like shooting the aliens uh, and then like. Aki comes back with the ship and then he has to jump and it's like just like one shot and maybe it's like five seconds of the slow-mo of like him jumping for the ship to grab onto the side and I laughed so hard when I saw that. <laughs> I know um, I'm jumping around but I just no like said slow motion I was just like this moment like I clocked it in as like I gotta bring this up because it was like again it felt very like that's very 2000s like you're like oh what's stylistic of a movie in the 2000s it's like oh it's a shot and a cliffhanger the steven uh sylvester stallone movie is guilty of this this is what started this fucking trend of just like someone jumping and it's like slow motion of them like will they make it to the the like the thing they need to get to or not um and this one yeah they played into that trope um what was it so yeah this one of the spirits uh takes over the traitor space marine so goodbye traitor and then at some point um sid tells alec baldwin that they need a sympathetic spirit for aki and it's him. So he has to enter her dream and see, he sees what Aki sees. They kind of have an understanding of what they need to do. But unfortunately, James Woods can also see into Aki's dream and he uses this as justification to stir shit up. Uh, and then this is around the time we learn about the aliens coming from the meteor. And uh, James Woods, he lowers the city's barriers. What could possibly go wrong, guys? <laughs> um, immediately, everything. Uh, the spirits enter James Wood's location. They kill his like second in command or whoever the dude he's talking to, uh, and they fuck shit up. And then James Wood says the most iconic line in this movie: "What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done, like, bro? Oh, yeah, he, and he does it like four times. He's like, what have I done? What have I done? Mm-hmm. What have I done? <laughs> what have you done? Yes, James. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? You let them into the fucking city, you asshole." Here's the thing. This movie wants us to be sympathetic to the spirits and be like, oh, yeah, they're the souls of dead aliens, which which is also, I should point out, very Scientology. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think Sakaguchi is into Scientology. I don't think, like, common knowledge of Scientology, like, hit Japan at the time, but it still reminds me of Scientology. I didn't even think about that until now. It is, oh, it's it is like very dead Scientology. Dead alien souls and shit. Like, that's fucking yep. Scientology right yeah, there. It, it's like, sci- yeah, it's a bit, yeah. I wonder if Scientologists were like, oh, just really, well, that's what we're really what making is, fun of what I believe in. No, what, what's the movie that came out, Battlefield Earth? They're like, shit, why did we make Battlefield Earth? We could have just like had this. 
I'm, like, I'm still waiting to be maybe one of those screenwriters, Jeff Vintar or uh, Al Reinert. Uh, maybe one of them is just like a real Scientologist. He's like, I'm going to hammer it in. I've got to put it in. I got to do it for L. Ron Hubbard, <laughs> for best-selling <laughs> author L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> as 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 Carson and I have said, though, like the the screenwriters here, they 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 mostly handle the dialogue portion of it. Like this is very much Sakaguchi's ideas. Mm. Like there there are way too many connections to Final Fantasy VII and illusions. Where like no, this is Sakaguchi's baby. You know, in this age of Marvel movies and just you know very formulaic films, I gotta give this movie credit because uh, it does try and like at least have some ideas, even if they're still kind of rudimentary. Again, it's doing something else. It is doing something else, and I feel that's respected more now <laughs> compared to what we have. That's like you know, it is trying to say something. It's saying it in kind of a wacky way, but you know. <laughs> It is trying to say something. Uh, and people would call this movie super political and SJW bullshit, too. <laughs> oh, for sure. I know. Um, so Ving Rhames gets injured um, during the attack on the city. I thought he was going to die. I thought he was going to be the black dude dying first, but he's actually the last of... Uh, well, not the last one. He's the second last person to die. So, you know, he gets to have a moment later. <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh, he says another line. Just give me a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another iconic line. That that is uh, my favorite line from the movie. Just give me the guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah, I love that. Oh, Final I'm... Fantasy. Final Fantasy, a series where like at this point, how many characters have guns? I guess there were like the gun blades or the gun blades in like Final Fantasy Eight. But yeah, I, I would, um, it's it's not really a gun heavy franchise. Especially there's not. not. Uh, Vincent and Bear both had guns in Seven. Okay. That's yeah. really all that comes to mind at the time, though. Yeah, it's mostly swords. You think of, like, big swords and shit. And magic. And it's a very gun-heavy movie. Like, this is like, it is. <laughs> like, like, I, when, you're, when you're saying anything about swords, I'm like, why aren't they having swords? Like, if that's what their <laughs> thing is, like, what are, why are they... And then I'm like, oh, it's because it's America, and America's got to go shooty-shooty. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Just what you want one sword scene. Like, one just like, oh, he's got the sword. He, he found the sword. He's got to, you know, use it. Uh, because animated, uh, you don't even have to train an actor to like learn how to fight with a sword. <laughs> you just uh, uh, missed opportunity around this movie. Uh, John DiMaggio, I don't know when he had a line, but he did have a line in this movie as BFW Soldier Number One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, um, I yeah. So John DiMaggio, you know, again, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Uh, he voiced Waka in Final Fantasy X, uh, mm-hmm. Carson. And he also, Final Fantasy VII Remake Connection, voices uh, a major villain in Final Fantasy VII Remake. So <laughs> still keeping up that square work with him. Hell yeah. I know, oh, man. man. He's, uh, yeah. Good for John DiMaggio. He's loyal. You know, he's <laughs> like, they gave, me, they gave me my, you know, early rules before Bender and stuff. So I'm going to mm-hmm. keep working with him. Uh, so Steve Buscemi, he's got to do some job. I didn't really understand at this point what he was doing when he finishes. <laughs> He finishes his job, uh, and he gets taken out, as does Jane. Um, Jane, who is also the only member of the crew not voiced by an actress I recognized. Uh, Perry Gilpin, I think is her name. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Uh, she's most known for playing Roz on uh, Frasier. Okay. Um, She's no no Bing Rhames. Which is like... uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, she's no Ving Rhames, but she was at the time she was coming off uh, an incredibly successful run on Frasier. Okay, as uh, one of the leads. But here's a here's a fun fact of the of the many sitcoms I've referenced on this podcast. Frasier is a sitcom from the '90s that I did not watch when I was a kid. <laughs> Maybe I should watch Frasier. I'm 31. I'm sophisticated and shit. <laughs> I, host, I, host, I don't host a radio program, but I host a podcast, so that makes me like Frasier, I guess. There you I go. I mean, I'm, I'm not like you know a right winger like he like Frasier is or whatever, but I don't know. He's a Kelsey '90s Grammar. right winger. <laughs> I guess not. Is, is he? He a loves Bush. <laughs> is he a never Trumper? I don't know. Did they bring back? Oh, Frazier hasn't been brought back. It's one of the few things. That yeah. Hasn't well, been the sad yet. fact about Frazier is the creator of that show uh, died in 9-11, <laughs> like was on one of the planes. So that's one of the reasons they've never brought the, sh- the show hasn't been revived. Cause like from a creative perspective, there's this element of like, what do we do about that? <laughs> like, and then Kelsey Grammer is also like descended into chaos. I don't know if you've seen his work uh, recently, but he was uh, in the, uh, Je, uh, the uh, shit show that was Money Plane, uh, which Money was Plane. famously covered by uh, Red Letter Media. Money Plane, we're we're checking out. If you want to watch like a fun bad movie, uh, Money Plane is worth it. Uh, there's a guy who can't uh, pronounce the word concierge of the movie, and he says that word a lot, and no one corrected <laughs> him. <laughs> so Jane gets taken out um, by the aliens, or not the aliens, the spirits, uh, the spirits within. And Bing Rames, he does get to fire on the big ass spirit, but of course does not make it. But you know, he of the red shirts, he's the one to last the longest. So yeah. Uh Baldwin and Aki, they board the spaceship and then they make out in zero G. This is the thing where it's like they probably spend a lot of time on the the hair for the zero G scenes, I'm sure. That's like that's like someone spending like three fucking years on just that scene. James Woods considers suicide, and he should have done that. And he should have done that in real life too. <laughs> No, we're going to cut that. We're going to cut the part where I say <laughs> No, we got to keep it now just for the laughs. James Woods considers suicide, but instead he gets cleared to go to Zeus. I mean, he should have done that because Zeus is bad. He shouldn't have done the Zeus canon. So he should have just, you know, balled through on his first thought. Um, the eighth spirit is a phantom spirit. Uh, and they're going to go inside the crater of the meteor. Again. We're not done with the Final Fantasy VII connections because <laughs> there is a, what is it, Carson? Northern Crater and Cloud yeah. like, goes into the live stream and shit. Yep, when Cloud goes into the live stream. This movie is, again, I find these connections wonderful. Like, mm-hmm. I really do. Again, much better story, Final Fantasy VII, but it is interesting just how many parallels there are. Yeah, when I first uh, watched this movie, I was like, is this supposed to be like a, a Final Fantasy VII movie? Yeah, is this like a prequel? Yeah. <laughs> They should have had a character named Shinran that you can just be like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, oh, this is another thing. Keith David is still alive, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But he lets James Woods use Zeus, which is bad. So, fuck. <laughs> uh, and then the Zeus cannon it starts to fire indiscriminately when they're trying to get into the crater. And then we see a big, massive-ass tentacle spirit because, you know, this is anime. So it's got to be a tentacle spirit or tentacle-ass thing. Aki tries to make an appeal to James Woods, but of course it doesn't work because, you know, why would anyone appeal to, to James? Why would James Woods respond to anyone's, like, you know, um, appeal? James Woods doesn't give a shit. James Woods sued a man um, for, for, like, making some shitty jokes against him on Twitter. And then the guy died and he, like, sued his family or some shit. 
James Woods? Oh, yeah, man. James. Oh, yeah. That's why, like, James Woods is canceled. I think it's because he just, like, had, like, an overly frivolous lawsuit, which he somehow managed to succeed. But... Oh, I didn't know he succeeded that. Jeez. I thought it was because he played Rudy Giuliani in a terrible biopic. <laughs> James Woods lawsuit. Uh, what is it? Uh, he Oh, he dropped lawsuit over cocaine addict tweet after getting trophy lift. James Woods has received a letter that he can now frame and put on his mantle alongside his Emmy and Golden Globe Awards. On behalf of my client, the defendant referred to as Abe List in the lawsuit, and my client's surviving family, I acknowledge that they are not aware of any facts to suggest that Mr. Woods has ever been a cocaine addict or used any other drugs. He filed a $10 million libel action in July 2015. Uh, the target of the lawsuit was an anonymous Twitter user who responded to Woods' conservative politics by saying addicts. And filing the lawsuit, Woods wanted to send a message. AL and anyone else using social media to propagate lies and do harm should take notes. They are not impervious to the law. An appeal abruptly was cut short when the defendant died. That wouldn't stop Woods. The actor wrote that he hoped the defendant died screaming my name. Learn this. Learn this. Libel me. I'll sue you. If you die, I'll follow you to the bowels of hell. Get it? Oh my god. I didn't realize he, like, basically he was playing himself in this movie. That's what I didn't fucking know that. Oh my god. James Woods. Woods did make some efforts to pursue the defendant's estates, but that's all over now thanks to a settlement. Uh, Full terms have not been disclosed, but it does include White's letter. Uh, He's a fucking bad man. And I guess also, like, I. I mean, Army Hammer's now been canceled, but like he did, he did say that the um, movie "Call You, Call Me by Your Name" was like pedophilic because it was like a movie about an eighteen-year-old with a relationship with like a twenty-five-year-old man. And then Army Hammer is like, "Bro, didn't you like date like a nineteen-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> like you're like sixty-five, you're like dating a girl younger than your daughter, you gross person." <laughs> and then Army Hammer got canceled for other shit, so it's just a whole, whole you yeah. know, circle of cancellation. But James Woods, bad man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, dude. We are keeping this in because people need to know James Woods is a fucking cocaine addict. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his, yeah. I'm he really loves taking his white a, snow. I'm taking advantage of the fact that not a lot of people listen to this podcast. I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm going to say all the Alec Baldwin is a murderer. In terms of what, watch cocaine. this gets like this gets like j- j- major so, traction. <laughs> major traction. It creates my acting career finally because I'm willing to say the things that must be said. <laughs> yeah. This guy's uncensored. I, I get a talk show. I get a talk show. They hire me for Bill Maher. I replace Bill Maher. I'm just no, like, no, 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 no. You're going to replace Maury. Maury's going off the oh, air. Oh, yeah, Maury's so got yeah. shit. So, yeah, you're going to be the new Maury. You're going to be like, and we determined that was a lie. <laughs> Kanisha, um, you're... Uh, I already I already talked about how uh, Aki and Baldwin the creator is very rep- reminiscent of Cloud and Northern Crater, although that scene is way better because it involves uh, just some beautiful stuff. Uh, beautiful stuff again. Final Fantasy VII, amazing game. Uh, I love final... this has become more of a conversation about Final Fantasy VII, a it's game so I have not good. played. <laughs> so good. That's, that's so why good. I had, that's why I had Carson on because I'm like, you know, Final Fantasy VII, and I know mm-hmm. I can like get away slightly with derailing this podcast to just talk about it. Because <laughs> I'm like, Malcolm may not talk about it, but Carson is, you know, saying some lovely oh, things. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, I'll, when Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two comes out, we'll talk about it then. Uh, yeah. Anyways, anyways, the uh, the final spirit latches onto Aki, and she sees a world full of life. Guess what, guys? I didn't even remember this. Uh, reminds me of the 500 years later ending in Final Fantasy VII. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So once I keep I keep making these connections because I wrote these notes like an hour or two ago. I'm like, fuck yeah, there's still more connections. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help yourself. I can't help myself again, man. But did it? But did that remind you of that 500 years later sequence? It, it did. Yeah. Because yeah, that game ends. That game ends very ambiguously, which is mm-hmm. why they had to do a movie sequel because they don't even clarify the fates of the characters. Yeah. And it's like, so basically a meteor happens, a character uses her spirit to prevent uh, devastation, but instead of be- showing a scene where the characters are all, you know, living peacefully and the world is okay, it just cuts to 500 years later with mm-hmm. uh, one of the characters who is like this genetically engineered uh, lion person uh, and his children. And they're frolicking in the remains of um, the city of Midgard, which is the main city in the game. Uh, and it's been taken over by vegetation. So it's almost a suggestion that, oh, hey, maybe everyone on the planet died, but at least the planet itself is healed. <laughs> what a message. Isn't that what, what a message for the what? best-selling game of 1997? Yeah, <laughs> truly a wonderful message to humanity. Like, yeah, everyone's fucking dead, but <laughs> at least the planet's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, save the planet. A planet that Scott Barrier cities and I didn't really do much. I don't feel like they freed humanity. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, yeah. they just stopped the Zeus cannon. <laughs> they stopped so, James Woods uh, just on a cocaine like binge. <laughs> just like, he's going to use the Zeus cannon. I think that's the, the moral of the story. So uh, the spirit after showing her the Did thing, I get it right? Is that what I got? Did I get it right? Close enough. Let's move on. Um, So anyways, the spirit has uh, cured Aki, and she tells uh, Alec Baldwin, don't worry, a phantom told me. Iconic line, guys. The screenwriters (laughs) doing... The screenwriter again. Sokka Can you believe that uh, that some of these screenwriters didn't write or pr- have anything produced for almost twenty years after this? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you like? I don't know, man. I, it, it is funny because again, they're just like Sakaguchi. You can come up with the themes and the main story, get the story by credit or whatever for this. But we're getting these Hollywood writers to write this, and they're like, "Don't worry, a phantom told me." Or what have <laughs> I done? That's the fucking shit. You can't come up with Sakaguchi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, listen, you got the guy who wrote iRobot, which no, is at this point. At this point, it's, at this point, it's in development. <laughs> Gonna blow probably, people away. Guys, remember how crisp the dialogue was in Apollo 13? <laughs> We're bringing that, that back. That, like a movie? that was an Oscar-nominated movie, though, at least, wasn't it? Some shit? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's credibility. Uh, I, don't know if it was per, I don't think it was nominated for Best Screenplay, but... <laughs> I don't know. It, was it should have been. It should have been. <laughs> uh so james woods does not listen to the zeus system overlord warnings and he's blown up good i'm glad james woods is dead and uh when this <laughs> podcast and because this podcast will exist in the ether of spotify and other platforms for forever when james woods is actually dead i can say i'm glad james woods is dead <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. I'm not usually the one. I don't. I've, I don't feel like I've derailed this pot, podcast enough. Like you, you tend to be the chaos agent, and this one, I'm just like this one. You're the chaos agent, and honestly, I'm loving it. I'm like, I'm all <laughs> for this. Like, I'm this what I want for the podcast is to create constant streams of chaos, <laughs> and this yeah. movie is very chaotic. Mm-hmm. It, although, you know, that's not true. This movie's not very chaotic, but I feel like there's so much happening behind the scenes of this that it is chaotic. <laughs> now, Mal- Malcolm, I I did not 
write this in my notes, but there is a new Final Fantasy VII game that just came out called Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise, featuring a character named Jack Garland, who is also known as Jack Chaos, and he wants to kill Chaos. So I think this is all <laughs> fucking meant to be, is what I'm saying. Yeah, this is, this is, uh, yeah, this is uh, Manifest Destiny. <laughs> the, the god of Final Fantasy, or Sakaguchi, is like willing his live stream into me and just making making this all happen like sakaguchi is gonna listen to this podcast and be like holy shit they understand what i was going for yeah. <laughs> finally someone cracked the code yeah someone cracked the code um so unfortunately alec Baldwin here's a guy who's telling the truth and cracking the code <laughs> here's the thing alec baldwin dies which caught me off guard i did not ex- i thought aki was gonna die i thought she would be the sacrifice mm-hmm. but no, no they can't kill aki off because she's a virtual actress who's gonna be licensed for other products for other movies and tv shows that's why she could be killed off. Campaigns. <laughs> oh my god uh so he dies but not before telling her that he believes and telling her that he loves her there's a shot of Sid. It's like, so Sid, I see Sid and he sees all these spirits. I thought it meant that Sid's spirit was also going to be taken away. And I thought there was almost an implication that everyone else's spirits meant like everyone on earth was going to fucking die. But I don't <laughs> think that's what they're going for. But it's vague enough where I'm like, is Sid dying right now? Is his spirit also <laughs> going away? Um, and there's, yeah, this shot of like this uh, life, a spirit of Gaia, you know, going into, you know, the ether and leaving earth. Um, and then as Aki leaves the crater, she sees the eagle that we forgot to mention. Uh, from oh, yeah. Yeah, we forgot to mention that, but very important part. There's an eagle earlier in the movie, and it's like a sign of life because it's an animal. And uh, yeah, the eagle, the movie ends with the eagle flying through the air yeah. and a song playing. I thought this, yeah, I almost wanted the song to be like, you know, that Aerosmith song from the end of Armageddon. It's like, I don't want to close. <laughs> 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 and just like and then like an american flag fucking pops up because it's the eagle as well <laughs> um carson i just recognize that your uh, discord name is roundabout is that a reference to jojo uh yes and no okay i love i love the song roundabout it's probably my favorite song um but the one of the first times i did hear it was through jojo so sure why not that's a JoJo reference, I guess. Um, yeah. which is, well, we're, we're going to cut that part. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the of right there, which is like, no one besides the three of us has the, like, no, the would... information that your Discord name, we record on Discord, is roundabout. And then Jack, we're in the, talking about the ending of this movie, and he goes, huh, so your Discord name uh, is roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm, your Discord name is Malcolm, unoriginal. So unoriginal. Yeah. Um, what is it? No, I was saying your, like your Discord name is Jack Tages. <laughs> yeah, you can add me on PSN. It's the same thing for everything. Um, what is it? No, I was gonna say um, Roundabout should have played instead. That would have been fucking. <laughs> that would have been fucking amazing. Uh, okay, yeah, I, think we, I think we. I think. I think. Honestly, talked- again, you said the music. We talked about it earlier. Like the music wasn't good. And yeah, this was just like another one where you're like, huh, that's so generic. Like it's that thing of like, oh, you played it so safe. So let's talk Speedwagon. Sasha, cue the music. Speedwagon, 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 Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. 
So for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character in the movie. I will start first. It's so fucking predictable. It's so obvious. My Speedwagon is Keith David. Like, as council member number one. Because, fuck yeah. Keith David got paid. He got to be part of a revolutionary movie. Looks kind of like Denzel. So, you know, I dig that as a look for Keith David playing a character like that. And um, it's a shame that he ended up fucking up and giving permission for um, Heinz to use the the Zeus cannon. That was a real bad move. I hope he lost his council position spot (laughs) for that. Um, But you know what? Keith David has played his share of morally ambiguous characters. So, you know what? He could still be a speed wagon for that. Uh, this one, this one's hard because there's not really like any good speed wagons. There isn't like a fun like, oh, here's like a fun like character in a market or something that we can like, you know, I can riff on about. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like this like kind of twofold between uh, the Steve Buscemi's character, whose name I'm looking up is Neil Fleming for some reason, and then there's also Corporal Jane Proudfoot, um, who's like the woman on the like Space Marine squad. Uh, I'm going to just go with uh, Steve Buscemi. I got to stand Steve Buscemi here. Uh, I just, I was just so taken aback by the fact that he was like <laughs> voicing a character in this movie. That, and it's like, not like he's a major character, but I just found it like so funny that, it, <laughs> that this was happening. Uh, it's not like his character was particularly interesting. I just kept being like, huh, this guy doesn't look like a Steve Buscemi character. <laughs> it kind of was throwing <laughs> me off the whole time. So I got to give it to mm. uh, Steve Buscemi. Uh, as a voice actor <laughs> playing uh, Neil Fleming. Uh, I got to go with you, man. Council council member number one uh, <laughs> is truly an iconic character from this film simply because he is voiced by Keith David and because he also doesn't have a name. Um, yeah, but I agree that that decision at the end where he's like, yeah, you can use the Zeus cannon. It kind of broke my heart a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't expecting it, but you know what? It's Keith David. Yeah, I will say, like, for me, that's a good uh, pick. I will say I was also torn. uh, I was considering, uh, here are some other options. I was considering uh, also BFW Soldier Number 1, played by Mm -hmm. the great John DiMaggio. Uh, Even though I I couldn't pick out who that was in the movie, I I just felt like, you know, we had to, uh, yeah, we just had to do that. Maybe. Also, the great Dwight Schultz, who we talked about uh, in the Vampire Bloodlust D episode, um, from you know, famously from the A team, he also has an uncredited role uh, in this movie. He is scan technician, so iconic scan technician. But yeah, no one. Yeah, this movie's got some great voice actors, and I I totally understand why you're picking Council Member Number One. Oh my God! All right, uh, final thoughts on <laughs> Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. I guess I'll go. This movie, I think, it's a technological achievement. I'm really surprised how well the visuals hold up. Uh, because we talked about Uncanny Valley before, and there's, you know, even like Pixar movies, like Malcolm said, uh, that don't look as good. They are from the same era. No, this movie looks good. I mean, some shot, depending on the lighting, some shots look better than others. Um, but yeah, like, again, like this movie was at like, you know, the forefront of the technology that, you know, we kind of take for granted now. And, you know, they did have some cool futuristic ideas. You know, obviously the virtual actress thing is just not, never took off and never will, but, you know. I still like that idea. And, you know, I do think that, you know, Sakaguchi was onto something. He got to make the movie he wanted to make. Um, and he was able to incorporate some ideas that he was passionate about. Um, thankfully, those ideas are better incorporated in another thing that exists and is <laughs> continuing to get new material. 
props to that. But no, I think like the movie, as far as like a blockbuster goes, there's definitely worse blockbusters out there and definitely worse ones from that era. It's a weird movie. I don't think it deserves its rep because again, I I thought my the reputation for this movie as I heard about it was that it was a fucking disaster and I didn't feel that way. I think this is like a perfectly cromulent I, I think I'll even give it like a B. Like I think there is something to this movie, you know, maybe a B minus, but I think there is something to this movie. There are some interesting ideas. I think it's worth seeing. It is it is a movie worth seeing at least once. Yeah, I'm kind of repeating myself, but that's what I'll say. I'll say Final Fantasy VII, The Spirits Within, not as bad as its reputation may lead you to believe. You pretty much said most of what I was going to say. I probably didn't enjoy it as much as you did, mostly because when I watch this, like the name Final Fantasy just keeps popping in my head. It's like, eh, this is not a Final Fantasy property. It's 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 so different from everything that Final Fantasy is. But at the same time, it stands well enough on its own to the point where I enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, there's so for me, it's like there's a lot of good ideas in this movie that I feel like just aren't fleshed out enough. It's like, oh, what if we do this? What if we do this? What if we do this? And they just didn't take the time to really put enough into it. But yeah, the tech, I mean, this movie still looks fantastic uh, with some lighting issues at times, but uh yeah, overall, I'd probably give it around, yeah, maybe a B minus or a C plus, something like that. No, it's a it's a cool thing, and I think you know the fact that we I, we we really have you on Carson as this Final Fantasy VII expert, um, <laughs> which was great. No, and it's but it's like the fact that like there are so many parallels between this one very successful thing they did and this movie that came out. Like mm. it makes sense why they would incorporate their ideas just between the development time, you know, overlapping and stuff. So yeah, I think. I think having this conversation is like, this is the definitive conversation on Final Fantasy The Spirits Within <laughs> and its connection to Final Fantasy VII. What about you, Malcolm, as someone with, uh, this is your first exposure to Final Fantasy, maybe not the last, probably. I think I'm even going to say no to new video game inspired podcasts for a while just because we've done so many in a row recently. So you're spared from that. <laughs> uh, this is the final, this is the final fantasy of is this anime video game coverage? Yeah, I will say, uh, I yeah, like I said earlier in this podcast, this was a, this was a movie bored me to tears. This was like a really boring movie. Like this movie, like it's just so like kind of standard and safe, and like everything was super predictable. And, like just from like a story perspective, I thought that this conversation, like this, like this podcast episode that we're doing right now, this was way more fun for me than <laughs> watching the movie. Like I. I'm, la- I'm laughing a lot. We're having a good time. Like, like Jack Chaos has shown his, you know, his true form. Um, he's emerged from his cocoon. Um, you know, I think, you know, that like this was more fun than the movie. And like, you know, I just kind of like rolled my eyes. Like, I wouldn't recommend the movie to anyone. I don't think it's very good. Uh, I do think like visually uh, it's top notch and it is surprising how well it's aged. Uh, like you, like I would never have guessed that this, you know, movie came out in 2001. Like it feels like it, you know, probably came out. I wouldn't say now, but like, if you told me this came out in like 2010, I'd been like, yeah, makes sense. Like that, you know, I can totally see that. So I, you know, I got to give that credit, but it kind of, in my opinion, feels like, you know, a lot of cutscenes sort of put together to make this movie. And there's moments where I'm like, I wish I could have just played the game rather than just like, watch this movie and so yeah i wouldn't i'm 
I'm not going to recommend, like maybe watch some clips on YouTube, but I don't recommend watching this. <laughs> As we've said repeatedly, there's As a, a better- casual fan, unless you're like a big Final Fantasy guy mm-hmm. or girl uh, or themzer or whatever, uh, you could, um, you know, then you can, you know, then go in and digest this content. But it, it doesn't sound like even if you're a big Final Fantasy fan that this makes uh, makes sense <laughs> to like. I mean, as, as me and Carson have repeatedly said on this podcast, there is a better version of this story told already in a game that <laughs> yeah. came, out, came out four years prior to this movie's release. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds like um, it's like a remake of that game. <laughs> yeah, with with all the joy stripped out of it, all the joy, <laughs> all the joy and interesting ideas. But anyways, uh, before before we get to plugs, I do want to ask one question, Malcolm, because Malcolm, we've covered we've covered a number of video games on this podcast that have been turned into anime so we've covered pokemon we've covered uh mass effect we've covered halo now final fantasy i don't think i'm forgetting any other ones if i have it's because they deserve to be forgotten uh, malcolm of the adaptations what do you think is the strongest video game adaptation which I, I, which, pro- which property has been ad- adapted the best into anime pokemon Easy. I guess that's, I guess it's it, fucking. This obvious. one's a layup. This is a layup. I don't even know why you asked this question. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy. It's a lay, it's, it's Pokemon. It's like the most yeah. enjoyable one of them all. Uh, you know, the Halo movie, yeah, was dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so. And this, the new TV show, look, uh, looks just as bad. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna watch it because I like science fiction. And then Mass Mass Effect was also fucking terrible. The Pokemon cartoon, we had fun because it was like, I mean, we covered Pokemon in a three episode miniseries, which y'all should check out. Yeah, I, th- um, yeah, I think we'll cut a lot of this part out. <laughs> no, I was just asking because it is video games, so we can compare it to the other shit. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Pokemon, Pokemon, pretty Pokemon stands alone. Of the video game adaptations, I would say. Yeah. There we go. All right, time for plugs. Um, yeah, you can you can find me on Instagram at Jack is Jack and only real Jack M on Twitter. Carson, do you want to be found? I don't know, man. Uh, I would like to be found. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at C M Hazlitt. H A Z L E T T. Um, I if you're gonna follow me on social media, just follow me on Twitter because I am barely on Instagram though. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Malcolm R J McLeod. You can find me on uh, Instagram at Malcolm R J McLeod. Yeah, those are the two uh, platforms you know I use. And yeah, uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, and you want to uh, give us some stars, yeah, please do so. You can uh, rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us some review. Uh, feedback really helps the show out, um, and uh, you know can help guide episodes. You know reviews in the past have led to like us doing covering certain projects certain movies or tv shows so all the feedback so far has been so great so keep it up uh and you can follow the podcast at is this anime pod uh both on twitter and on uh, instagram as well you can see like updates you know we kind of you know give little teasers for the episodes you know all that fun stuff it's a good way to interact if you're interested in interacting uh yeah it's been a lot of fun so far and now we'll keep it up so yeah yeah, tell a friend. It always helps us, you know, a small podcast like us out a lot when you do. Because uh, this is, you know, obviously a podcast for, you know, people who have experience with anime and people who are new. So uh, it's a fun time. Uh, anyways, I think that about wraps it up. Is there any last lingering thoughts before I, you know, before I call it an episode? Yeah, this I was lying. Little... This movie sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really excited for a Final Fantasy remake, Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII remake part two. I'm fucking stoked. Maybe we'll 
I guess we're not going to get a trailer by the time this podcast airs. No, what are we? Definitely not. No, we're not. It would be shock. It would be a, uh, a game-changing shock. Mm-hmm. It sounds like um, it. You know what, though? Here's the thing. I do want to say one thing. Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy, right now, it's in a good fucking position. It has it some is. rough. Years. It had some rough years. The MMO Final Fantasy 14. I'm. I've played it. I've. I mm-hmm. finished uh, End Walker. The story is fucking fantastic. Better than any story in like any video game ever. <laughs> um. It's the most successful product Square has uh, made. It is uh, out. It has more subscribers than World of Warcraft, and it also doesn't have a toxic development team. <laughs> uh, it's, no, fuck Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Fuck Bobby Kotick. So Final Fantasy is in a great position. They have the Final Fantasy VII remake project. They have the most successful MMO currently with Final Fantasy fourteen. They have uh, Jack Chaos, the video game. So listen. <laughs> Carson, you and me are kind of similar age. There have been some dark periods in there. Final Fantasy VII history where it was like a tough fucking time to be a fan. Mm-hmm. Like, is the series like, is this actually the Final Fantasy? Uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy XVI looks like it's not coming out this year, but it does look very good. So when it comes out, I'll be very happy with it. So we're in the golden age. So it's interesting to cover this movie, which led to a lot of resignations, a lot of bad news. But we can say safely... You know, Sakaguchi, hang on, buddy. You're doing okay. <laughs> Final Fantasy, you're doing okay. It's all positive. Good time. We're ready on high note. Well, <laughs> on that note, and remember, the spirit within James Woods is pure Colombian cocaine. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> later, later, power volumes.